Hello, and welcome to episode 25 of Sam Explaining Science. I'm Sam, I'm your host, I'll be Sam Explaining the Science. This week we're talking about the great outdoors. Let's get into it. Hi everyone, how are you? I hope you're all doing well. Happy first week of summer school. Summer school is our third block of episodes that are coming out this year of this podcast, so that's very exciting. I'm excited to get started. Um, Something new that's coming along with this block of episodes is that I am now on video. So from the start of this podcast, I kind of always wanted it to have a video component, but I never knew how to do it, meaning like recording, editing, uploading, etc. So it just seemed too intimidating to do that for both audio and video. So I started out doing just audio. Um, But now that I feel like I'm sort of in a groove with the audio, I figure it's a good time to include video. So that means that if you prefer to watch your podcast on YouTube, you can subscribe to the Sam Splaining Science channel. Um, and with the video podcast, I'll try to incorporate visual aids like diagrams and results and summaries and stuff like that. Um, but of course everything will be kept for, um, accessibility for audio as well. So for the people who prefer to listen to podcasts while you're commuting or while you're at work, um, while you're doing your workouts or whatever, uh, you can have it on audio as well and still get the full... Sam Splaining Science experience. Um, sorry in advance for the crappy video quality, but it's better than nothing. Also, this is the first time that I'm running um, like a full episode through on my computer. I've done a few like test episodes that are like three minutes long, um, but my computer is already hyperventilating. I don't know if you can hear it in the background. She's going through it right now. So, um, We'll see if this even records all the way or if my computer just shuts down and everything dies. We'll see. Um, But yeah, welcome to video if you choose to watch the video. And maybe you're finding this on YouTube for the first time, like this, this show you just discovered on YouTube. And if that's the case, awesome. Hi, hello, welcome. Um... There are 24 other episodes of this podcast that are on audio platforms like Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. So if you like the show, which I hope you do, you can go check out the previous episodes on those platforms as well. Cool. Okay. That's enough chit chat. Let's get to what we actually came here for, which is science. Okay. Mama is sweating. I'll tell you that right now. It's hot outside. It's hot outside. And uh, I didn't have my air conditioner running because I was like, oh, I don't want the background noise. And uh, I have some regrets. Anywho, speaking of it being hot outside, this episode we're talking about the great outdoors and how they really can be great for us. We kind of talked about this on a previous episode, um, episode four, 
about seasonal affective disorder, sad season, um, how we talked about the lack of sunlight and like in general, the lack of time spent outdoors can cause depression symptoms in people. Um, but today we're gonna sort of flip that and talk about how being outside benefits us, is good for us. So with that, let's get into today's questions. Um, so the first question we're gonna talk about today is how does being outside affect our mental health? And then the second question is how does being outside affect our physical health? For each of these questions, we have one paper that's gonna cover that topic. So um, as always, you can find the sources and the links to those papers in the episode description. Okay, so question one, how does being outside affect our mental health? To address this question, we're gonna talk through an original article uh, by Dr. Bellanger and colleagues that was published in Preventative Medicine Reports in 2019. The title of the paper is Physical activity mediates the relationship between outdoor time and mental health. So for this study, they used data that was collected from MATCH, a MATCH study, where MATCH stands for Monitoring Activities of Teenagers to Comprehend Their Habits, um, which sounds, if I'm being totally honest, absolutely dreadful. I would do everything in my power to not comprehend uh, teenager habits, but teach their own. Um, so this study, <laughs> they used a total of 242 participants who are all around the age of 15. And from these participants, they collected self-reports. Um, and these self-reports are basically like surveys, questionnaires that answered a few key questions that the researchers were interested in. So one question was, how much time did the participants spend outside per day? And this was sort of broken up um, into time frames. like the teenager could answer, I spend no time outside, I spend less than 15 minutes outside, I spend between 15 minutes to 30 minutes outside, an hour, two hours, up to like six plus hours, right? The second question that they asked was, how much time did the participants spend doing moderate to vigorous physical activity, which they call MVPA, outdoors per week? So if the participants spent an hour a day doing physical activity outside, maybe they had you know, soccer practice every day, seven days a week for an hour, then they would say they'd spent seven hours per week doing MVPA, moderate to vigorous physical activity. The last uh, questionnaire that the participants took was a mental health survey, where ultimately they were scored into categories of either having flourishing or not flourishing mental health which is interesting to me because I'm thinking back to my time as a teenager and I don't know if anyone that I knew would characterize their mental health as flourishing when they were 15, but okay, go off. 
Um, so they collected these self-reports <laughs> multiple times over the, scan, the span of a year. So the time spent outdoors and the uh, physical activity data were collected three times, about four months apart. And then four months after the final outdoor and MVPA survey, they collected the mental health survey results. So this study wanted to look at how physical activity affects the relationship between outdoor time and mental health. And the math term for this sort of analysis is called a mediation, meaning that they wanted to see how the physical activity contributes to the relationship between spending time outside and mental health. So basically asking the question, does the amount of physical activity that someone does make the relationship between time spent outdoors and mental health stronger? Does it make it weaker? Does it change the direction of the relationship? Um, does it impact the relationship at all? So they did this fancy stats analysis. They used a causal inference analysis approach, which allowed the researchers to look at how all of the different measures or variables interact with each other. So they had three variables, right? They had the outdoor time, the time spent doing physical activity, and the mental health score. So the exposure variable is the time spent outdoors. Um, you know, when they're outside, they're exposed to the outdoor elements, right? The outcome variable is the mental health, right? That's what they really care about. That's what they want to see if, you know, this is impacted by the other two variables. That's the outcome. The third variable, the moderate to vigorous physical activity variable, is called the mediator. And this is basically like a detour almost in that does outdoor time influence the amount of time spent doing physical activity and then does that physical activity influence the mental health score um, as opposed to just doing does the outdoor time influence the mental health directly so they looked at these different relationships between these variables um, and looked for things called a total effect a direct effect and a mediated effect so i'm going to walk through those a direct effect is the relationship between the exposure and the outcome. So for this study, the direct effect was looking at the relationship between outdoor time and mental health. The mediation effect was the combination of the relationship between the exposure to the mediator and the mediator to the outcome. So here, meaning expo uh, outdoor time to MVPA and then MVPA to mental health. And then the total effect um, here is a combination of exposure to outcome and mediator to outcome. So here it's looking at the relationships between outdoor time to mental health and the relationship between MVPA and mental health. Um, that was a lot, I'm sorry. If you watch the video, not that I'm trying to plug the YouTube or anything, but if you watch the video, it's all written out and there's like a little diagram it makes sense a little maybe more when you look at it that way. Um, but yeah, so they looked at all of these effects and then they reported an odds ratio or an OR. 
And when the odds ratio is greater than one, we can interpret that to mean that it's more likely that the participants had a flourishing mental health score. So for example, if there's an odd ratio of 1.10, that means that there's like 10% increased chance that the, the teenagers had flourishing mental health. Okay, so I'm gonna go through the results. Um, on the video, it's like written out. So again, it might be a little easier to follow on the video, but I'm gonna talk you through it. If not, don't worry. Um, but these are some of the main findings that the authors reported from the study. So the odds ratios are listed at each interaction, each step, each arrow, um, with their 95% confidence interval in square brackets. So the 95% confidence interval is basically saying, if we were to repeat this analysis over and over again, um, 95% of the time, the outcome of the odds ratio would fall within this interval, within this range, right? So for example, if we look at the direct effect, the odds ratio was 1.00, and the 95% confidence interval was between 0 0.98 and 1.05. So 95% of the time, uh, it would either be maybe 2%, below one or 5% above one, the ratio. Is it apparent on the video how sweaty I am? This is one of the downsides that I did not think about until I'm actually practicing it. I'm very sweaty and I worry that it's very obvious, but maybe me pointing it out will be less It'll make it less gross, maybe. I don't know. Um, maybe not. Maybe it'll make it more gross. Anyway, okay. So, so odds ratios, right? They found here that the direct relationship between outdoor time and mental health was actually not statistically significant meaning that they can't say with enough confidence that time outdoors definitely increases the likelihood of flourishing mental health. Um, and this is because that 95% confidence interval is spread pretty relatively wide and it's spread across one. So in some cases, the ratio would be less than one. In some cases, it would be more than one. They can't say with confidence that it's definitely going to increase the odds of flourishing mental health. They did, however, find a statistically significant effect of moderate to, moderate to vigorous physical activity whew, on flourishing mental health. Um, so that means that people who did more outdoor exercise tended to have better mental health. Also, Though it wasn't statistically significant, there was a slight positive trend in the total effect. So that's the combination of the out effect of the outdoor time on the mental health and the effect of the moderate to vigorous physical activity on the mental health. Um, in the paper, the authors say that it might not have reached significance because of our favorite limitation, sample size. Um, when the sample size of a study isn't big enough, it leads to a lower 
statistical power. Um, and statistical power is basically the ability for us to, to quantify or to see differences in data or patterns in data, relationships in data, with a certain number of subjects and a certain expected difference or expected strength of relationship. So when we expect big differences, like dramatic differences, we can get away with having a smaller sample size um, because of the, the statistics that... <sighs> do I have to do a statistics episode? I think I have to do a statistics episode. And I say that with a sad voice because I don't really like statistics, but it's very important. So anyway, they love picking on sample size because it... Re it has a big impact on statistical power, which impacts how well we can detect differences or detect relationships in data. Um, and I can get into the specifics of that in the future, if that's of interest. Maybe it's not, but whatever. Um, but yeah, so the total effect size here, the the odds ratio for the total effect is 1.03, which means that it's like 3% increase. If I'm interpreting that right, I'm pretty sure I am. But like, it means that there's 3% more likely to um, have a better flourishing mental health, um, which is a not really that big of a percent change, right? So it's like, since there's such a small difference, we would need a much larger sample size to detect that difference and have it be significant. <sighs> yeah, I think I gotta do a stats episode. Next week's episode is already planned, it's a fun one. But if no one submits a question for the following week, I'm gonna use that to talk about stats. And that's a threat. So you better submit a question. Just kidding. Anyway, one thing to note here is that the direct effect, um, which is the outdoor, the effect of the outdoor, time spent outdoors on mental health, uh, was not a significant result in this sample of participants which suggests that the outdoor physical activity carried most of the weight in the, in the total effect trend. Um, and also I mentioned that the effect was really small, right? So will it dramatically improve someone's mental health? Probably not, but they can say with confidence that it does not hurt the kid's mental health, you know? So, there's that. It's like the double negative. It doesn't not help, so it does help. Did you catch that? That's, that's some tricky logic, but you got it. You followed it. <laughs> okay, so with this, the authors conclude that an increased probability of flourishing mental health is mediated by increases in physical activity done outdoors in adolescence. 
So time spent outdoors by itself in this population didn't have a huge effect on mental health, but being active, like playing a sport, swimming, taking long, brisk walks, um, those all might help improve mental health outcomes. So that was question one. Now we're gonna move on to question two, which is how does being outside affect our physical health? So the next paper we're gonna talk about today is by doctors Tuhig, Bennett, and Jones. And they talk about more general health benefits to the great outdoors. And in particular, they talk about this in reference to green spaces, which are defined as open areas of undeveloped land with natural vegetation, but also things like parks, courtyards, public open spaces, those also count as green spaces. I think, can you hear my computer like having an asthma attack? If so, I'm really sorry. I'll try to edit it out, but we all know I'm not really good at these things, right? This is not a secret. Um, okay, green spaces. Back to it. <laughs> um, the authors in the introduction of this paper talk about some hypotheses for the relationships between nature and well-being and sort of trying to give an explanation as to why we see these connections between being outside, being in nature, and improvements in mental health and physical health and etc. So one thing that they talked about and which we saw a little bit in the previous uh, study is that being outdoors gives more opportunities for movement, for activity, right? If you're outside, you have, you can walk around more, you can walk further than you can in a building, right? You can walk for blocks and blocks and you can, if you're outside and you're in a field, you can run around or you can, um, <laughs> I really do talk with my hands too much. This is a, now it's, now there's evidence that I talk with my hands so much. Um, but yeah, you can like, when you're outside, there's a lot of opportunity to like move around more. That makes sense, I think. The second hypothesis, sort of explaining the relationship between nature and mental or physical well-being, is that public green spaces promote social interaction, which apparently is beneficial to some people. Like social interactions are good for you. I can't relate, but I'll take your word for it. Um, <laughs> the third hypothesis talked about um, exposure to sunlight and how exposure to sunlight increases our vitamin D. And vitamin D, as we talked about in episode four, um, counteracts seasonal affective disorder symptoms. Um, and then the fourth hypothesis that they talked about was the old friends hypothesis, which at first to me made it sound like another social aspect. And I was like, not again, enough with the social things. Um, but actually, of course, naturally, 
old friends doesn't refer to like former acquaintances in our lives, but instead it refers to um, our old friends in evolution. Microorganisms, obviously. Um, things like bacteria, things like protozoa. Now me and my brain, where we go when we hear protozoa is Xenon Girl of the 21st century. If you know, you know. Zoom, zoom, zoom. Um, but the idea here is that there are little tiny organisms, these little bacteria that exist outside. They exist in nature, right? And when we come into contact with them, they help us develop our immune system. They help regulate our inflammatory responses and all of these things. So they actually help us stay or get or stay healthy. That's a, one of the hypotheses. So the authors sort of discuss these hypotheses and they talk about a bunch of studies that have looked at relationships between green space and health outcomes like um, the effects or the relationships between being outside and cardiovascular health or being outside and emotional well-being, um, even being outside and your offspring's birth weight. Um, however, all of these studies each only looked at a single health outcome, right? So it was never a paper or a study that looked at being outside and the incidence of type 2 diabetes and emotional well-being and all of these other health outcomes. It was one paper that looked at out, outdoors and emotional well-being, one paper that looked at being outdoors and cardiovascular health, one paper that looked at being outside and having um, incidence of depression or like emotional well-being things. Um, but there was never a paper that did it all together. So this study wanted to look at the relationship between green spaces and all of the health outcomes. And they did this by using meta-analysis. So meta-analysis is basically when researchers combine outcomes, results from multiple studies, different studies, and analyze the combined results from these studies to get an overall outcome. It's like a strength in numbers kind of thing um, because we always nitpick the sample size. We literally just did, I don't know, six minutes ago. So um, meta-analyses are a good way to sort of overcome that limitation in a way because um, now they're analyzing data from multiple independent separate populations. So the overall representation of data points is much larger in a meta-analysis than it would be in a single research study. And that's because you can look at papers that were published from Canada and the UK and the US and all over the world, right? Um, I did mostly English speaking countries because that's all that I speak, but you can look at studies from all over the world and, and combine those populations and get an overall effect, an overall outcome when you combine those results. So 
there are limitations to it, but there are benefits to it too. So how do you do a meta-analysis? Well, first you have to set inclusion and exclusion criteria for the studies that you want to include in your analysis. So for example, this meta-analysis included empirical studies testing the relationships between green space and health outcomes, physical health outcomes. And one of the exclusion criteria was that studies um, could only, well, how do I phrase this? That's an exclusion criteria. Any study that didn't focus on human participants. So if they found a paper that was looking at the effect of time spent outdoors on blood pressure, but it was in rodents, that's useless to them. So they exclude that from the meta-analysis because they're focusing on human participants. Um, so you have your inclusion and exclusion criteria. From that, you decide which studies you're going to include in this big analysis. And then when you find these publications, um, you gather the measures, you gather the data. So for this study, they cited sort of two different types of data, or they represented the data in two different types of ways. So the first way was um, from, the, from some of the studies, they collected the number of participants, and then each participants, um, or rather they split the participants up into high and low exposure to green spaces. So people who spent a lot of time in green spaces and people who spent no time in green spaces. And then they took the mean difference in measures from those groups, the high and the low exposure, and they calculated the mean difference and um, standard deviation from those. The second was they also looked at the number of cases or like the incidence of a certain condition or disease after breaking it up into high and low exposure to green spaces. And then from that, they determined an odds ratio. So looking at what are the odds of developing or not developing, what are the odds of having a certain medical condition um, when you're in the high exposure to green spaces group. Now, some of the papers that they used in the meta-analysis had this information in the paper itself, which is great. But for some of them, they needed to contact the study author who would then send them back the data that they needed for the meta-analysis. We love cooperation. We do. Um, but do we, though? Because they also said that like, of the 90 authors that they reached out to, only 30 of them responded. So apparently not everybody loves cooperation. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> but they're intellectual property. Okay, so they got the data. <laughs> they got the data, and from this, they divided them into high and low exposure groups, and then looked at the health, the health outcomes in each group. Whoa. Okay, so from this data, they found that there were significant health associations based on green space exposure for health outcomes, including salivary cortisol, cortisol being the stress hormone, um, 
as well as heart rate, cholesterol, and diastolic blood pressure. Diastolic blood pressure is the second number that's reported in your blood pressure. So when you get like a 120 over 80 or a 110 over 70 or whatever the heck it's supposed to be, um, it's the pressure, it's the lower number. It's the pressure in units of millimeters of mercury, which is a measure of pressure, um, that is in your arteries when your heart is resting between beats. So your heart pumps and there's a lot of pressure when it beats and then it relaxes. And it's the diastolic pressure is the pressure in your arteries when your heart is relaxing. Fun fact. Um, <laughs> so here they report, for example, if we're looking at diastolic blood pressure, they find that more green space exposure is associated with a lower diastolic pressure. So here they show um, that on average, people in the high exposure to green spaces group had a diastolic blood pressure that was almost two meters of mercury, millimeters of mercury, meters of mercury, my God, they'd be deceased. Two millimeters of mercury lower than those in the low exposure to green spaces group. They also reported significant associations between exposure to green space and self-reported health, type two diabetes, and even uh, preterm birth and small size for gestational age births when looking at odds ratios. So here, for example, they have people in the high green space exposure group having almost 30% less frequent uh, experience of type 2 diabetes compared to people who were in the low exposure group. So the odds ratio was about 0.72. Um, and again, remember, any odds ratio lower than 1 is less frequent, less likely to happen. Um, so in this case, the people in the high exposure to green space were less likely to have type 2 diabetes compared to people who were in the low exposure group. Um, in addition, the meta-analysis also did some quality control, quality analysis. And one measure that they um, looked at for this is called heterogeneity. It's basically a measure of how different the samples are or the variability in and across the studies that were used for the meta-analysis. And um, they actually found substantial heterogeneity for measures including heart rate. So I'm gonna go back one slide. But like there's 78% heterogeneity for the studies that reported heart rate. Um, effects in green space exposure. Um, they also had pretty substantial heterogeneity for measures like self-reported health, which to me makes sense. I wouldn't have trusted a self-reported measure anyway. That's just me. Um, you don't trust anybody. If I know anything from this life, it's that you don't trust anybody. Um, <laughs> life lessons with Sam. Don't trust anybody. Um, <laughs> Sam explains trust issues. Um, <laughs> anyway, 
So from this, they found that basically for some of the studies that they used to gather results and gather data for some of their health outcomes, they were very variable, um, which could affect the um, quality, I guess, or their ability to measure true uh, relationships between green space and health outcomes. With that being said, a lot of the p-values or like the statistical analyses were significant. Um, so I don't know, but I, I would consider that this heterogeneity issue is definitely a limitation of this study. Um, but even with that, I think this meta-analysis is a good start. And hopefully more research is being done like this that will collect all of these health measures, like physiological ones, like heart rate and blood pressure, and mental health outcomes, maybe like depression or anxiety scores, um, within one participant, um, and maybe across different settings, like indoor and outdoor settings, different exposure levels to green spaces. So we can really get a better understanding of how green spaces and the outdoors affect us physically and mentally. Okay. Uh, so, to, oh, that's the conclusion. That's the conclusion slide that I forgot to show. I honestly, although I'm literally dripping in sweat, Overall, this hasn't been as much of a complete disaster as I thought it was going to be. My computer's still running 45 minutes later. So let's close this out. So to close out, to conclude, the take-home message from today's studies tells us that the great outdoors really can be great for us. Also, it's summertime if you're in the northern hemisphere. Um, so go outside and enjoy the summer, um, but stay hydrated when you go outside because it's hot. It's very hot out there. <sighs> yeah. And, and leave your AC on, even if it's going to make background noise on your, your podcast because now you're just dripping in your own sweat and you have a lot of regrets. A lot of regrets. All right, well, that's all for this week. Please don't forget to follow, rate, and review the podcast wherever you're listening. And subscribe on YouTube, please. Please. <laughs> you can also follow the show on Twitter and Instagram, at SamSplainingSci. So connect with me there and ask questions if you'd like. You can also submit your questions to samsplainingscience.com ask. So if you have anything that you want SamSplain to you, ask away. Thank you so much for listening to and watching this week's episode. I hope you learned a little bit and laughed a little bit, and I will talk to you next week. Bye.